the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Tim DeMoshio podcast. You can hear the program each weekday afternoon from 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and WFIL.com. Good afternoon. You're listening to the Tim DeMoss Show on AM 560 WFIL.com and on the app. Thank you for doing so. Just a couple minutes after 4. Have a cloudy rest of the afternoon, a little sun there, and then don't look now, but a little bit of snow maybe coming our way this evening, overnight into tomorrow morning. 28 to low, tomorrow's high 35, and then continue kind of cloudy for Friday, a little sun perhaps. Friday's high just 30. Looks like we're not going to hit 40 for about a week or so, and a couple of days where there's some flurries or light accumulation between now and then. Sixers 119-111 over Sacramento last night. Joel Embiid leading the way, as he often does. 25 points, 17 rebounds. Tobias Harris chipping in with 22 points, 10 rebounds. And Seth Curry adding 22 points. They're at Portland tomorrow night at 10. And the Phillies signing shortstop D.D. Gregorius to a two-year contract. Uh, He's on a Zoom call with uh, the media today and he was asked, among other things, about his feelings on the team, now that he's uh, going to be in round for a couple of years here, their chances of making the playoffs and, and is and getting ready to do so. You know, I'm always hungry to get to the playoffs. You know, that's what you play for and that's where you want to be. You know, you got you want to be in the World Series. So, and we have a great group of guys that can do that. So from top to bottom, you know, I'm pitching everybody, everything so everybody can do damage, everybody can help each other out, and the team is going to be better, you know. So uh, we came short, like you said, last year, but this is a new year, so you're going to go for it. Is the team good enough to uh, be in the playoffs as they currently stand? Oh, this team is it's, it's not close. Like, we have the players, and uh, we can always get better. But we have the players, and if everybody, uh, you know, do the job they're supposed to do, I think we're definitely going to be there and then play the game and play even harder to win the World Series. But the team is good. team is good. Gregorius played for Phillies manager Joe Girardi back when they were both in New York with the Yankees. And how does Joe Girardi feel about Gregorius being with the team again this year and for the next couple seasons. Well, I, I love the addition because I, I know what he brings on the field and in the locker room. And he, I think he like solidifies our infielder. He keeps everyone in the right spot, the right frame of mind. Didi plays the game with a love and a hunger. Um, and I think it wears off on other people. So for me, I think he's a real leader. And I think it was important that we got him back. So I'm really pleased. That's Phillies manager Joe Girardi and shortstop D.D. Gregorius on a Zoom call with the Phils a little earlier today. Gregorius was actually the only Philly victory who played every single game last season. It was a shorter season, but he was the only one to appear in all 60 games. Wow. So that's a little known fact. How are you doing today? He's very important to the team. I am doing well. It is halfway through the week already. Yeah. Yeah. The snow kind of throws things off sometimes. I forget what day it is and... (laughs) Same. I get them all mixed up. <laughs> well, we're glad to be here each day, four to five. Uh, one of your buddies, Rob Motti, is going to join us a little later on. Oh, Yeah, cool. Rob, Rob was at the Super Bowl, 
and um, I was seeing him post. He has all these amazing interviews. He's like, he's at, in fact, when the when the uh, Buccaneers beat the Chiefs on Sunday, Rob asked the very first question of Tom Brady after afterwards. So he is everywhere, <laughs> repping the AP. <laughs> That's it. Rob is the head writer for the Associated Press in Philadelphia for the uh, Eagles and for the Phillies, but he also does a lot of other stuff, like too many things to list. He's also a solid man of God, and I've known him for many years. And uh, he has a, actually has a, a pretty cool story, just an aspect of his testimony we want to get into about, uh, let's, let's put it this way, what his life was like covering the Super Bowl before he knew the Lord and after he gave his life to the Lord. So Rob is going to give us a slice of the Super Bowl, a little quick update, but also share that part of his testimony. Also this hour, looking forward to having John Densmore on the program. John, the original drummer and original member of the band The Doors. He is an author of a book called The Seekers, Meetings with Remarkable Musicians. And it's a book, among other things, about creativity and, and who has inspired him along the way. So he'll join us during the program. And... um he brought this to my attention too, Victoria. I guess it was yesterday. Mary Wilson, one of the founding members of the Supremes, just passed away. So many legends, unfortunately, already. We're two months into 2021, and yeah. it's unfortunate. Another legend passing away. Yeah. Well, she was 76, and um, we actually had Mary Wilson on the show the 20th of December, 2019. And at that time, you'll see in my grubby little hands, this beautiful book, um, and it's called supreme glamour and it's a pic it's almost like a coffee table book of all kinds of the history of of the uh supremes and so we had mary on to talk about it she was a delightful conversation yeah so, i got to listen to some of that interview so it was yeah. really awesome so we're hoping to uh, put some of that in this hour as well to give you a chance you can of course listen to the entire podcast if you just search back through uh, go to our homepage at com and look for the date of december 20 2019 and you can hear the whole conversation with Mary Wilson, again, an original member of the Supremes who passed away just a couple nights ago at age 76. So there's a lot to do, and we also probably want to get some giveaways going in the hour as well. So let's take our first break, and then we'll come back and uh, keep things rolling. It's the Tim DeMoss Show. Eight, uh, eight, by the way, 800-560-WFIL is our number as we have the opportunity. If you want to call in or say hello between things, we have a lot going on, but we always are happy to you know, take calls and say hello as well. 800-560-9345. Keep that handy, and you're welcome to text anytime you like as well. It's 610-500-DOVE, 610-500-3683. That's the show's text line. The Tim DeMoss Show on WFIL. Thanks for tuning in to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast with AM560 WFIL and WFIL.com. It's 411 on the Tim DeMoss Show on WFIL in Philadelphia. One of the neat things that we have had uh, develop, I guess, in the last several years since this program started was the opportunity to connect with some classic artists who, at one point, were airing on this very radio station. Was mentioning before the break about Mary Wilson, an original member of the Supremes, passed away at age 76 just a couple of days ago. We had her on the program on the 19th of December, 2019. Wanda, before the program proceeds, uh, share that conversation with you. And so let's just jump right into it. It began with the fact that when we try to connect, the phone wasn't working, and then oh, we got through. I felt so sorry about that. So I'm glad, yes, I can hear you. Well, Mary, nice to chat with you. Congratulations on the book. Well, I am, first of all, I have to say, I am so 
proud myself, and I, I never pat myself on the back, but this time I really am, <laughs> because it, it's not only something that I did, but it's actually beautiful. You know, uh, I, 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 I just wanted to do the book. I had no idea that it was going to be this beautiful. So I do thank uh, my publishers, Tim's and Hudson's, uh, out of London for actually saying they would, you know, do the book, and for the work that the here, uh, Tim's and Hudson's have done in New York City. So I'm very, very thankful. I hear that it's a bestseller on a lot of the Amazon uh, list, so I'm really happy about that, and I'm just proud of it myself. Okay. Well, <laughs> so I'm fo- glad people like it as well. Folks obviously mm-hmm. love the music of the Supremes, but uh, talk about the fashion side yeah. of things, uh, like when that came into your life uh, early on, church, community, and all that, and, and how that became part of what the Supremes were doing. Well, yeah, I think perhaps this whole idea of, of being girly girls and dressing up is part of where we came from in the community. In Detroit, Michigan, everyone dressed up. I mean, they still dress up, really. But uh, back in the day, our moms and our aunts and, and people all in church, all the women in church, everyone dressed up. I mean, we grew up where our parents listened to the artists like, you know, Lena Horne and Dorothy Chandler, I mean, all kind of people. So, um, you know, we just grew up around this beautiful uh, community of, of women. Um, and so, therefore, when we became teenagers, we, too, wanted to be grown up. And uh, we got a chance. Diane and I used to make a lot of the little dresses. Not a lot. We made a couple of our little uh, short dresses because yeah. we hadn't gotten into gowns yet. But when we got our first hit record, then we started really buying uh, gowns and designer gowns. So that, you know, that sort of changed our whole um, thought pattern of how we should really be always glamorous. Our first pearls I bought, we bought were from Woolworth's uh, store. Wow. So they were like $5. But they were pearls, we thought. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. That's fun. This must have been a lot of fun for you to put this together. And was was it emotional in any way, just Mm -hmm. to kind of go back over the years and see? I think the only thing that may have been emotional was perhaps having to, again, rehash a lot of things that happened that were negative. You know, I I don't get a pleasure out of doing that. I wanted this book to be more about the glamour, but I had to to be honest and say a couple of things, but I didn't want to go into depth. The only thing I went into depth on would be Florence's situation because I just felt that, you know, she got the raw end of of the stick in life and that people misunderstood her and and, and and said she was an alcoholic, you know. So I kind of went into that to explain what happened to her and how life can throw you, you know, something that really you were not expecting and it can just destroy you. So, um, you know, that was the only thing that really was very, very emotional. The other things were okay because it's just part of life. When it's it's very tragic like Florence's situation, it, 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 it hurts to have to talk about it. All right, that was part one of the conversation with Mary Wilson of the Supremes that we had originally the 20th of December, 2019, when a, a very big book that she put out, like a coffee table kind of book called Supreme Glamour came out. Here's the other piece of our conversation we had with Mary. This is just kind of including the music that we were using at the time. Mary Wilson joining us and continuing our conversation. Supreme Glamour is the book. Of course, there's the the, the uh, fashion piece, obviously, and then there's the, the stories and just some perspective about the Supremes story. Uh, do you have a favorite memory at all that you share in the book, whether it's or, or a favorite gown that you wanted to talk about? Well, you know, I should probably say that for me, the book is threefold. I mean, it does, it is a fashion book. However, that's just, say, like, 
but cover. But the inside of it, there's lots of history. I mean, the history of what was going on in America, the history about how the world was opening up. I mean, you know, we accepted the Beatles over here from England. Prior to that, I mean, you know, it was like there was some place you would never even visit because it was far away. <laughs> um, so, but the board, the borders opened up, and the Beatles were the Rolling Stones, Dave Clark Five. They were coming here. We were going over to England, so the borders opened up in the world, and in America, you know, the history was that we. We're coming out of, you know, the, the segregated, uh, into the integrated schools. So you got a lot of that going on. Uh, and then, of course, the music, rock and roll. That kind of changed the whole America. It would have changed the whole world, actually, rock and roll did. Chuck Berry. So I write about all of that. So there's a lot of history in terms of the music industry in there. Yeah. Holland, Osha Holland, Motown Records, who gave us our... 10, I think, 12 number one records. So you got a lot of that musical history, but also you got the image of us that made us, I think, sort of stand out because it was not just the music, it was also the image that we projected. Whoopi Goldberg yeah. wrote the first, uh, you know, wrote, wrote the forward, and she talked about her, her how her head exploded when she saw us on the Ed Sullivan show, seeing three black girls, you know, different shades of brown. You know, it, it made her think that maybe she too could be rich and famous and look at her she's she's on tv she's rich and she's famous so you know to know that that's all there in this book for me is why i'm proud of it because i was able to bring all of these different elements the fashion the music and the history into one book and it's it's supposed to be a coffee table book supposed to be just pictures but it's much much more than pictures it's kind of like the story of of our lives from the 60s yeah last question for you mary uh just what led to because there's the outward beauty and there's the uh inward beauty which i would link kind of to the a lot of the charity work you've done over the years uh many varieties and so just one what kind of led you to be part of and having eyes for reaching out and helping whether it's humanitarian causes and hunger or other things well, I think, you know, I've got to give Barry Gordy Motown Records the credit for introducing us to being a part of charitable work. Uh, so very early on, we did a lot of, uh, we started doing a lot of fundraisers for, for like people like Hubert Humphrey, you know. Uh, we did a lot of charity work. Just, we did, we did a lot. And so I, after the Supreme suspended, I continued doing that because I, I felt that that's, wow, this is great. So, you know, we had a lot of mentors. Motown was really great in doing that, introducing us to different things. And so that's kind of, I followed that pattern. But now I can choose what I want to do, which basically a lot of times it has to do with children. One of my favorite, uh, um, charitable work that I do now. I sponsor a child from Children Incorporated. And my other group that I love out of New York is uh, Figure Skaters of Harlem. Harlem. So they teach young girls from the ages of five on up to, say, I think, 18, 17 or 18, how to figure skate. But it's more than that. It's more about, you know, the development. It's kind of like what we learned at Artist Development in Motown. It's like the beauty inside, you know, how to, to groom yourself, but from the inside, your thoughts and your heart and all those kind of things. So that's what I do because uh, I enjoy it. I know where my heart is, and I know what I can do with the truth, and that's why I continue to do it. Mary, it's a pleasure chatting with you. Congratulations on the book, and uh, God bless you. Have a great holiday season. Thank you so much. I'm glad we got back together and I can hear you. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. Me too. I've been DJing for 30 years, and I played your music. I play music all the time still to this day.
Oh, great. Well, you know, I do have one single that's my own. You can find it online. It's okay. called Life's Been Good to Me. Okay. Uh, and so, you, yeah, it, it, it's, my, it's, you know, just, you can't go to a mom and pop shop now and buy any records, but you can hear them online, so that's where you hear mine. But it's, I will, it's a good, good record. I will look that up. Excellent. Thank, okay. Thank you, okay, Mary. Cool. Thank you. Thanks. Right. Bye. Bye-bye. That was our conversation with Mary Wilson, an original member of the Supremes. Actually, when the the uh, the group actually finally broke up in the late 70s, she was only the only original member left at that time. Uh, the group had a dozen number one songs, appealed to audiences of all backgrounds, and uh, inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, the Supremes were, in 1988. Mary Wilson, again, uh, the podcast that the 20th of December, 2019, when we had her on the program. Uh, speaking of that era and beyond, John Densmore, drummer and original member of The Doors, is going to join us today. Author of a book he's just written called The Seekers, Meetings with Remarkable Musicians and Other Artists. We'll chat with him. Before we get to him, though, we also have a little giveaway to do after the break and Rob Motti. Head writer for the Associated Press for the Phillies and Eagles going to join us. He just got back from the Super Bowl and has some interesting stuff to share, including how God's worked in his life uh, pre-Super Bowl and you know, the, a chunk of his life where he covered the Super Bowls, what those experiences were like, and and since in the last 10 years or so that God's really been at work in his life. So we have a, a lot to do yet before the program is done. You're welcome to have our text line handy. You're going to need it, 610-500-DOVE. Just put that in your phone, 610-500-3683. That's the show text line. We ask you to call in to uh, compete for things sometimes. Sometimes it's a calling thing, but sometimes it's a texting thing. So this next one will be a texting thing. Be ready for that in just a moment. You're listening to The Tim DeMoss Show on WFIL Philadelphia. Thank you for hanging out today. Have a guest you'd like to hear on The Tim DeMoss Show on AM560 WFIL? Email D at WFIL.com. It's 425 on the Tim DeMoss Show on WFIL. Victoria, some of the commercials we play have this fun music. I like it. Like the Dynavite? Is that how you say it? Dynavite. Yep. I was listening now that we have Moose, our our six-month-old dog, and uh, things that would have gone right by me in the past. I'm like, oh, maybe I should try that. You could get some for Moose. (laughs) Moose, I have something for you. Yeah. It is. Treats. I I really do like it. I'm the last person in the world who thought I'd like a dog. I really, I used to feel sorry for people who had dogs. Like, (laughs) like you got that big hairball walking you down the street. You got to pick up his stuff. He gets barking. Man, go away. See, I want one. So you should be fortunate that you have a nice furry friend. He, he, you know what? I've been actually, he's teaching me things. I took him out this morning to his morning routine outside. He thankfully gave him a treat because he didn't do his outside stuff inside. (laughs) And then took him down to the corner, and he's taken to – there's a huge mound of snow. So after we walk a little bit, he walks, kind of stumbles through to up the hill, sits on the snow, and just looks. There's nothing – it's a quiet street. So he's just looking up and down the street. And so uh, I thought, you know what? I'm going to let him have his time here. It's like I'm his not... perch of snow. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's what's funny. funny is, too, because you can be in a hurry, like, okay, got to walk the dog, got to get the car. Bah, bah, bah. I thought, I'm just going to sit here and let him have his moment. Let him meditate on his mound of snow. Yeah. So he's just sitting there. It's a hilarious little little wet nose. And uh, eventually we go home and get something to eat, you know, take him down. But and I'm like, the snow will be gone soon enough. So let let him have his moment. Anyhow, so it, it's been fun because he's actually slowing me down and helped me appreciate uh, life. Nice slow walks. So, yeah, yeah, it's true. Down, he's usually dragging me behind. Like, like hold on, dude. <laughs> 
chill, pace ourselves, pace ourselves. So uh, anyhow, um, let me see. Where was I? So fun music. Speaking of fun music, I want to put a song on right now. And then in a few minutes, Rob Motti from the Associated Press will join us. But this song is by Michael O'Brien. We had him on the program on the 14th of January. Former lead singer of New Song. Helping lead worship on the Deeper Faith Alaska cruise later on this year. And um, we have his newest CD called Crown Him or Given Away, which is pretty cool because he sings with his wife and each of his kids and then some solos and some instrumentals. So you can win that. And then the grand prize has five Michael O'Brien CDs, one of which is called Something About Us. It's a love song CD. He wrote to his wife, part of their you know growth in their marriage. And I bring it up now because you might want to just look that CD up and have it, you know, for, in time for Valentine's Day, perhaps. But all of that said, one of the fun songs is this fun song we've been playing a little bit lately called Low Fat Latte. So as we go into the song, text in 610-500-DOVE. If you text in in the next three minutes when this song play, as this song plays, before it's over, you'll get a gift card for $5.60 guaranteed. One per household, and you can't have one in the past month. That's the little stipulation. We want to kind of spread the wealth around. Gift cards are courtesy of Briner Chevrolet in Jenkintown, 610-500-3683. gift card to Duncan, Panera, or Wawa in this case. We're doing the coffee latte thing. As we play Michael's song, Low Fat Latte. 610-500-DOVE right now to win with WFIL. AM560, WFIL.com on the app. There's something about a CD. It's Michael O'Brien and Low Fat Latte. We'll check the text line and uh, look for winners. But to be perfectly honest, the cell phone, it's a real phone. When you text the text line, the uh, battery died. <laughs> I got to charge it. I mean, it's charging now. It'll be up and running in a minute. Oops. Yeah, well, that's all right. It happens. Uh, but we'll, we'll announce winners a little bit later on. Somebody I know who loves his latte, his Duncan, is Rob Motti, the uh, head writer for the Associated Press for the Phillies and Eagles. Hey, Rob. What's up, Jimmy? How you doing, buddy? I'm doing great, man. Now you got me in the mood for a low-fat latte. <laughs> I know, I know, Mister Fitness himself. I've seen you cheat though on the side, so. Oh, I I, I love a nice skinny latte every day. <laughs> How are you? Welcome back from the Super Bowl. Thank you, man. I'm just uh, getting acclimated with being back home, and uh, it's uh, back to work again. I saw you posting regularly, and uh, God really blessed your trip. You were like all over the place. Yeah, it was uh, it was crazy. It was a very busy time, and this year at AP, because of COVID, rather than our usual eight or nine people at a game, we only had four, and two of those were uh, already in Florida, so it was easy for them to travel there. Yeah. And uh, it was just myself and someone else uh, from New York, colleague Dennis, who who traveled down there. So we had a, a lot on our plate, worked a lot of hours, but it, it worked out great, and. Um, Looking already looking forward to LA next year, but I don't know uh, if if anything can uh, top the way that Super Bowl played out. That was uh, quite a quite a game. <laughs> what was what was one of the highlights for you? As far as I mean, I saw several things you posted. You were posting like a madman. Uh, as far as uh, well, I'll let you say what your what your highlight. I, I can think of at least a couple based on what you posted. You mean from the game itself or from the week? From the week, from the experience, just from the, the opportunities you had. Uh, from the week, really, the, one of the neatest things is um, the Roger Goodell News Conference, which was broadcast live on NFL Network and I'm sure on other different various outlets. But uh, I was one of the uh, select 
journalists, writers, reporters who was allowed into the news conference because of COVID. They did it mostly virtual, but there was a, a group of us who were allowed in there. And when I had an opportunity to ask a question, I didn't realize this, but we, were, we had to do it because of COVID with our masks on, not masks oh, off. Okay. So we're standing in front of the microphone. So I'm wearing a Jesus saves with a cross mask. And there it is, me asking Roger Goodell a question. And it's on NFL Network, and I got a Jesus Saves mask on, and instantly I'm getting texts and I'm getting messages from people like, we just saw you on, on NFL Network, or we just saw you here, and you're asking a logical Goodell question, and, and nobody really cared much about the question. They're telling me, like, we saw your mask. How cool was that? <laughs> I was like, wow, that, that was cool. I didn't realize that was going to happen. So that was uh, pretty neat, and th- there, was just, there was just so much along the way. I'm having the opportunity. So it's my seventh Super Bowl, but this was the first one where normally I write a sidebar and do other work there. And this year I, I had a, uh, obviously did some shows on Radio Row and, and wrote stories all week. But this one I wrote the main game story for. So it was my first time writing the main game story for the Super Bowl. So I had walking into the stadium, uh, you know, talking to one of my colleagues. He's like, you know, you ready? This is a lot of pressure. You're writing the main game. I said, you know, it would be great if it was a nice, easy blowout, Buccaneers win. I could have my whole story written by the end of the game without having to have two stories going, Bucks win, finals, you know, overtime, down to the final play. And he's like, yeah, good luck with that. Tom Brady's uh, never had a Super Bowl that wasn't uh, within 10 points or, or mostly within three points. I'm like, yeah, well, you can hope. And then you go in there and it's a blowout. I'm like, oh, I can't believe this. I'm, I'm writing my whole game story. It's the third quarter. I'm done. I just got to plug in some stats and plug in some numbers. So yeah. it, it, that worked out nicely. But I, I really enjoyed the, the, the opportunities during the week, talking to various people, having um, just, just different conversations. You know, not everybody wanted – Timmy, everybody's coming up to me for my, my input on the Carson Wentz and Eagle situation. And I was like, by the end of the week, listen, uh, you know, we have, I can have these conversations. I don't know what it is, what it's like at your outlet, but another journalist should not be a source for your information. <laughs> All right. Folks, just tuning in. Rob Motti is our guest. He joins us every now and again. He's the head writer for the Associated Press for the Phillies, for the Eagles, that whole thing about the game being a blowout. I can appreciate having worked with you and, and seeing the pressure where, uh, the, you know, the, the winning, the, the, who's going to win comes down to the last play, the last shot, the last whatever. And you have to, in a very timely way, file your story. So that would have been very cool. And also, Tom Brady, I believe you had an opportunity to ask the very first question at a press conference post-win. Yeah, yeah, that was cool. had an opportunity during the week to ask Tom a question, Andy some questions. And, and then after the game, uh, you know, it's the Zoom format, even though we're there at the game, it's the Zoom format. And uh, it was kind of odd. Like, I, I wanted to be in the news conference for Brady, and I was going to ask a question. But at that particular moment, because I'm juggling news, con- juggling going back and forth from one Zoom to another, trying to update my story and everything on deadline. Because we're adding quotes, we're rewriting the top, we're doing all this. I didn't, I didn't realize my hand was up at the moment, and Brady was ready to go. <laughs> next thing I know, <laughs> next thing I know, they're calling me to ask. Okay, and Tom, the first question, Rob Motti from the Associated Press. I'm like, oh, okay. I didn't, I didn't realize that. <laughs> I've been an audible right now because I had a, in my mind, Timmy, I had a question for Gronk waiting to go, right? Yeah. So I'm like, what am I going to Let me just go. Let me just roll with it. I'll audible. I'll call new play at the line of scrimmage. I'll ask Tom Brady a question. Yeah. And I, I, I just asked him about how, how special it is to win this one as opposed to, and I, you know, I prefaced it with, like, I know they're all special because they're all going to say that. Right. I know they're all special. Right. But how, how much 
how special was it to win this in a hometown where it's played with a new team with Gronk around you? And, you know, I, I, I kind of wanted him to, I was trying to lead him to, yeah, stick it, Belichick. So he wasn't going <laughs> you know, he's never going to say that he's way too, way too savvy to, to fall for that sort yeah, of thing. But, of course, but, uh, course. well, and you mentioned, you know, and, and I saw that post and I, I, I had posted on your Facebook verse that you, that you appreciated with Proverbs twenty two twenty nine. Do you see a man yes. skilled in his work? He will stand before Kings. He will not serve before obscure men. And of course, ultimately, the opportunities that you just described and, and the experiences you had at the Super Bowl this past weekend and past week are are a gift from God. Uh, but but it, it part of that I think is that you know you're you're being faithful in, in the skills that God's given you and you're trying to use them for Him. And so uh, you know I think God delights in giving us opportunities uh, as well. So it was, it was neat to see those things come together for you this past weekend and past week. Um, it, it really is, and I appreciated that verse. And as, as I look back on the week that. I, I was getting a lot of engagement on social media, and you know the the, so, the age that we live in, and so much about social media. I had Timmy, I had two tweets that were like a million and a half impressions on Twitter, and I, I was like, "Wow, this is this is pretty cool." So it's it, it's you just you got to steward your platform well, though, and and I make sure that on my platform, what's coming out is, is truth, is accurate. It, it's not. Uh, anything that's clickbait, and it's always trying to honor the Lord in any way possible. So uh, trolls come at you, and they come at you hard, and just respond. Like, I just had somebody come back and come at me with something about uh, people only do anything showing the love of Christ because they want a tax break. I said, well, I don't do anything. I certainly don't do it for a tax break, and guess what? Jesus loves you, too. And you know, and and then, and then I hit the mute button because I know where it's going to go. Yeah. And continue. I don't want to continue to interact. But you know, what's really neat is I had a colleague who, out of, out of the blue, I, I just did not expect this from this particular individual, say to me, you know, I, I heard your story because I also shared Saturday night. I shared a, or I shared it Sunday, but I took a video Saturday, just talking about how different my life has been since the first Super Bowl I covered to this Super Bowl. And I talked about the joy and the peace that I have in my heart because I've come to know Christ. And I had a colleague reach out to me and say, I want what you have. And, and, and I said, what do you mean in particular? And I was hoping he was going to go there. And, and he, it's exactly what he said. I, I was he's like, you know, not, not everything that you're doing, that's all great and that's awesome. And I, it, but I, I want that peace that you're talking about. How do I get that? Wow. How, do I, how do I get that? And I was like, well, it, there's no guidebook. There's no handbook. There's no playbook where I tell you, hey, follow this, 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 and this, and you will find peace in your heart. And I said, you just have to surrender. One, first and foremost, you have to surrender to the Lord. And, and, and two, dig in. Start reading the Bible. But before you even go there, I suggested, I'm like, get the Bible app and, and start reading some Bible plans. And begin there and, and start listening to And I said, I'm gonna, what I'm going to do is send you some, some messages, some sermons, some powerful words that I think that could move you in a little bit. So I don't want you to think that this is going to happen overnight or it's going to be an instantaneous process. You have to, one, be open. You have to be willing to surrender. You have to accept and realize that you don't have all the answers and you're not going to get through whatever obstacle that you're going through or traumatic experience or trial or tribulation on your own, and you need that help. And it was, it was just for me, I was like, wow, this is pretty awesome. Every time I think about Ah, man, this job is getting to me. Uh, I hate the cynicism of the media. It's too much work. It's dealing with these trolls. It's dealing with this. What am I doing here? I realize that God put me here for a reason, and it's pretty awesome. 
Amen. Amen. Folks, just tuning in. Rob Motti, kind enough to hang out, especially after being away from your wife and beautiful daughters. Don't, well, beautiful wife and beautiful daughters. I don't want to keep you any longer, but <laughs> um, but wrap up if you would. And also folks can look you up in a lot of different ways because you do a lot of different things. If, if folks look up your name, Rob, and it's M-A-A-D-D-I, you can see all the different kinds of articles and, and columns of, that Rob has written really over the years. Uh, and, and it gets spread far and wide. In fact, I think your, your, uh, your, your buddy Dan, who I know as well, uh, sh- showed you that your stuff was like on the cover of things across the country, uh, right? Wasn't for the Super Bowl? Yeah, and, and you know, I, ne- I never, I just write my articles. I know writing for the AP means you're going to have more wide exposure, but I never look it up. I never, and you know, Dan uh, is, was pretty cool with that. He he sent me he's like, hey, do you, do you follow the uh, uh, APSC Twitter link? And I'm like, I do not. He's like, and he copied and pasted all these different links for me. And I was like, man, thank you. Because I, I clicked on I'm like, here you go. Here's my story here. Here's my story there. Here's my story there. I'm like, all right, you did all the work for me. I don't have to search any further. Yeah. And I posted about it. And that was pretty cool. So I really appreciated that. And, oh, goodness. I don't know how many different papers across the country my stuff appeared in, but it, it was very neat. It was very neat to see. Well, and part of so, and you also have a show called Faith on the Field. So folks can look up that Faith on the Field show and get you know, digger dig deeper into all these things that you've been sharing about and interviews with players and other folks who share their testimonies. But but I wanted to specifically because of the Super Bowl. I know that you, uh, you you referenced it a minute ago. Maybe you could just paint uh, take a minute and paint a picture of what life was like for you before the Lord really got a hold of you when you were at the Super Bowl from the first one till now and how different your experience is when you were there. Yeah, and I, I posted this, and people can go watch the video on my social media and social media. I posted it on Sunday before the game, but my first Super Bowl was Eagles-Patriots in Jacksonville, 2004 season, February, January 2005. And I just remember every time I go to a Super Bowl now, Saturday night, uh, before that game, I was at a maximum party. It was wild. It was chaos. It was there was like a in a, a little booth where you get to marry a maximum model and and just to, just, just to clarify, before. just to clarify, yeah. we have a prayer at the end of the program by a guy named Jim Maxim. No relation. <laughs> it's a very <laughs> a very different. Yeah, maxim. I, and you know what? I don't even I don't even know if Maxim the magazine still exists anymore. I'm not sure. Okay. I, I haven't been. I haven't been to a Maxim party since then, but that was that was my life: partying, going out, womanizing, and it, it was just crazy. And I, I reflect back on that now. How sixteen years later, and every Super Bowl I've been to since, the six others I've been to the Saturday night before, I'm usually either at the NFL Honors or this one. I was just sitting in my hotel room, thinking about it, and uh, all of all of the troubles and the issues and everything that I had been going through, I finally sought the help and the help that I needed was through Christ Jesus and by surrendering to him. So I try and tell everybody that no matter what you're going through, I was going through uh, circumstances where I was really sabotaging my own life. I was living a life of really uh, bouncing from one relationship to another, partying and it, it, it was. It was. I was. I was at rock bottom at this point in 2010, and, and when I surrendered to the Lord, my life started to change gradually. And over the course of the past decade, it's been amazing to see how He has blessed me after I gave it all to Him and surrendered to Him. And there have been so many people in my life from that rock bottom point and before who were trying to put, trying to plant seeds. And I always tell people, Sydney, when you and I talk, especially. You were one of those people, and you planted those seeds, and you helped me along the way. And I reflect back, and I go, yeah. You know, at, at the time, maybe when you said something to me, it didn't click. 
But two years later, three years later, five years later, I go, yeah, I remember that. And that clicked. And, you know, I had this conversation at the Super Bowl with Clyde Christensen, who was the quarterback's coach for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and a strong brother in Christ. And he was at a prayer event two days before the game in a parking lot across the street from the stadium. So I went over there, and, and I joined the prayer event with him, and I talked to him about I said, hey, by the way, is Tom, you know, is Tom a believer? He's like, he's not. But, you know, he and I, we teach spiritual. But he and I have talked about this. And I said, so let, hey, all you can do, and he said it for me, he's like, plant the seed. Plant the seed and keep, keep moving, and God will do the rest. Amen. Rob, it's great hearing your voice. Thank you for, for taking time to share all these things. And, and really, glory to God for all the stuff he's doing. It's a, it's a, a wonderful thing and an encouragement, too. I think the people who are listening in, uh, you've talked, touched on a number of things. And so may God use that to, to be a blessing to the listeners, too, today. So, thank you, Timmy. Always appreciate a few minutes with you. So, thank you. Welcome back. Put your feet up a little bit if you can, and uh, we'll look forward to catching up with you again. You got it, brother. All right, that's Rob Motti. You can look him up on uh, Twitter at Rob. I think it's at Rob Motti, and you can just again Google the name. You'll find him on social platforms, including the video he shared from the Super Bowl about how God has brought him peace, and um, you can maybe share that with somebody else too. Again, you spell Rob's last name uh, M as in Mary A A D D I. Quick break. I did mention that uh, John Densmore, drummer and original member of The Doors, is going to join us. He has a new book called The Seekers, Meetings with Remarkable Musicians. We're going to chat with him in just a moment. Tim DeMoss Show and WFIL. It's the Tim DeMoss Show podcast, available at WFIL.com. Thanks for listening. It's 4.51 the Tim DeMoss Show. WFIL in Philadelphia. Thank you for tuning in. We've had the privilege of having some wonderful guests in recent weeks and months, especially from the uh, music uh, back in the Motown area and uh, the 70s, 80s, 90s, right through the present day even. And I mentioned at the beginning of the hour, and now I'm glad to bring on board another special guest, John Densmore, drummer and original member of The Doors, who has a new book called The Seekers, Meetings with Remarkable Musicians, a book on creativity. Welcome to WFIL in Philadelphia, John. Hey, Tim. Philly, you're in Philly. <laughs> That's it. I want a, a steak, cheese steak, or whatever it is. Yeah, we'll send you one, no problem. Just okay. <laughs> That's a thing. Congratulations on the book. Yeah, thanks very much. Yeah. Uh, take a second, if you would, just a little bit of a backstory. I was wondering if you were uh, kind of just a lifelong accumulation and observations versus a uh, a greater realization more recently and kind of putting it to pen or, or digital, as the case may be. Yeah, uh, it was a great realization recently. Uh, just a few years ago, I thought, wow, I really want to do a tip of the hat to musicians who fed me. And it turned out to be a very diverse group. Uh, you know, at first I wrote about Jim and Ray and Janis Joplin, and then, I, I don't know, later, a few years ago, I met Willie Nelson and Paul Simon and and they found their way into this book. It was all sort of uh, intuitive, and I'm I'm pretty pleased at how diverse it is because that's what fed me, and that's what the doors are are about—an American melting pot. Yeah, you know, uh, you mentioned Jim for a second. I was going to ask you what you learned from him, and then as a collective kind of group, because together you're learning and being creative as more than just one person as you look at your time together. What I learned from Jim was a love of words. When I met him, I loved music. I didn't understand words that much and didn't read as much as he did. And now I'm voracious for words. In school, I got C's in English. I hated it. 
now I want it. So uh, it feeds me. And so I look for music in between sentences. That's really cool. I was going to also ask you, as it pertains to your craft of drumming, uh, not that I would know, other than my normal around-the-house kind of thing for fun, but uh, the execution is what I think about, more keeping time and all that. Where does creativity come in beyond the functional part of being a drummer? Yeah, the primary uh, job is to keep the beat, the pulse, the Native American heartbeat of the whole thing. Then, if you can spur the soloist or the lyricist and kind of... uh, help them along and push them and pull them back and accent, then you're kind of having a conversation with them. And that's, uh, that's when drumming becomes very musical. Has your view on creativity changed as you think about it and as you were putting uh, this book together? And, and where do you think creativity comes from, uh, you know, on a bigger level? comes from inside. And uh, over the years, I've realized that... Uh, you know, I didn't think I was going to be a writer. I'm a drummer. But it kind of comes from the same source in a way. I don't know why. It's just something deep inside, and you have to trust it and keep working your craft. You don't have to have too much technique. You just have to have enough to get across your uniqueness. What do you consider to be uh, something that, you know, amongst your most creative works, whether it's musically or, or otherwise? Yeah. All of my stuff. I don't know. Break on through introduction. Uh, Bruce Springsteen said, in the end, I play real loud in a soft part. Where did that come from? And I said, I don't know. I just felt it. <laughs> and, it and it was correct. It, 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 it made it more dramatic. John, what do you think about, just also in general with creativity, what's important? And one thought that comes to mind, I have five kids. My youngest is drawing. I want to affirm her as she's doing what she's doing. She's good at it, but uh, in terms of like being afraid, not not being afraid to make mistakes, for example, or or putting a song together that's quote unquote too long to be on the radio, whatever. What as you think about creativity, what's important for people to consider? Do you think to do it? Just find twenty minutes a day and do it. That's really what's important. It doesn't matter if it's long or short. Um, yeah, I had another thought about that. Maybe it'll come back. <laughs> That's fine. No, I'll, I'll, I'll uh, ask one other question as it maybe comes back to you. Um, just the hopes that you have for the Seekers as people pick it up and, and give it a read? Well, that they just uh, realize that uh, it comes from uh, country music, classical music, rock. It doesn't matter. It's, it's the same through line. You're kind of trying to find threads that tug on the heartbeat. And that's the key to all creativity. Yeah, I was I was curious if you thought if you came as you studied it and, and were written the book if there were common threads that you noticed uh, from person to person, regardless. It, maybe you kind of spoke to that there, or, or are there is there something that you noticed that was fairly prevalent no matter who you talked to? It doesn't matter uh, if what genre you're in. You're looking for the passion. We're all on the planet here together, and so uh, you know we've all got to figure out. Um, how to get along. That'd be nice. We got to have dialogue. There's conflict, but there's a, there's a greater unity. We're all, you know, uh, we're all here together. And as we come out of this pandemic, maybe we can um, 
remember that the greenhouse gases went down. Okay, so we have a big footprint on the earth. So let's remember that when we come out and be kinder to each other somehow. Yeah. Congratulations, John, on The Seeker. And uh, thank you so much for taking time with us in Philadelphia today. Thank you, Philly. (laughs) Right. Have a great rest of your day. You too. It's John Densmore, the drummer and original member of The Doors, and he has a book. He's actually written several. This one is called The Seekers, Meeting with Remarkable uh, Meetings with Remarkable Musicians. And as he mentioned, a, a tip of the hat to those who have influenced him and his creativity. As I think about the word creative, it just it strikes me. Very beginning of the Bible, Genesis 1-1, with the very first verse. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Genesis 1-1. How about that? Hey, we'll uh, congratulate Yvette in Williamstown, New Jersey, one of our gift card winners. We had several others who texted in in such a hurry they didn't even put their name in it. That's okay. We'll get that and mail those out. Courtesy of Briner Chevrolet in Jenkintown, our sponsor for the day, uh, for our program each day. Thanks for listening in. We'll pass the baton next to Jim Maxim, Acts 413 Ministries. He leads a prayer next. Have a wonderful evening. Thanks for listening to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast. Feel free to tune in to the full show each weekday afternoon from 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and at WFIL.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.